and also worked with Pruitt to tilt the talks in that direction, providing political ballast to the policy and legal arguments made by others on his side. Ivanka Trump, meanwhile, helped lead the effort to stay in the deal. In meetings, she argued that withdrawing could hurt the United States' global image and weaken its moral authority abroad. She and her allies pushed the case that the president would have more leverage if he remained part of the agreement and negotiated from within. The opposing camp, however, dismissed the substance of her appeal, brushing off her concerns as a hand-wringing question. What will the world think of us? She also understood she might not be successful in swaying her father. But she helped implement a process in which Trump heard voices from all perspectives, from both inside and outside the administration. Jared Kushner, a senior White House advisor and Ivanka's husband, agreed with the president that the Paris Agreement was a bad deal. He felt that the carbon emissions standards were too high and that a U.N. fund that helps developing countries counter climate change was costing the United States too much. But he, too, felt Trump should not withdraw but simply renegotiate better terms. Another smaller contingent tried for an outside-the-box fix. Mark Short, Trump's director of legislative affairs, argued that the climate pact could be considered a treaty, in which case the president should send it to the Senate, which would need to ratify it by a two-thirds majority. Chief of Staff Reince Priebus and Nick Ayers, a senior strategist for Vice President Pence, both supported the idea. But it never gained much traction because the agreement was specifically crafted as an agreement that did not need Senate ratification. Some of the efforts to dissuade Trump from withdrawing actually had the reverse effect, further entrenching his original position. When Trump heard advocates arguing that the era of coal was coming to an end, something Cohn told reporters on last week's foreign trip, and also a frequent talking point by some cable news pundits, Trump only became more adamant that pulling out of the Paris Pact could help rescue the U.S. coal industry, said a Republican operative in close contact with the White House. When he hears people make comments like coal jobs don't matter anymore or those are going away, he thinks of all those people who got the election wrong and didn't realize that, no, these people are important to us, the operative said. That's when his populist message kicks in. It pushes him. Pressure from leaders abroad also backfired. One senior White House official characterized disappointing European allies as a secondary benefit of Trump's decision to withdraw. When Trump touched down at a humid Sicilian airbase last week, European leaders were already girding up for an argument at the G7 summit. In Brussels, the president had just castigated NATO allies for their defense spending. But as leaders spoke during a closed-door NATO dinner, not one directly confronted him, seeking to save their political capital for a contentious discussion about climate change in Italy. In the end, several officials said, the Group of Seven summit felt more like a group of six against one, at least on climate issues, as every other leader went around the table urging Trump to remain in the Paris Accord. There is a situation where six, if you take the EU seven, stand against one, Merkel said after the meeting. Merkel, who might be the second most powerful leader in the world after Trump, also pressed a moral-based argument, according to one official who was in the room. If the United States pulled out, what would be the message to countries in Africa that could suffer most from global warming, and nations like Fiji that are drowning under rising sea levels? The official added that another leader brought up political arguments. Does the United States want to preserve the U.S. lead on the topic or hand it off to China and India? And a third made an economic pitch. 
By encouraging renewable energy, you boost the economy, you boost innovation, and you stay competitive. But Trump seemed unmoved by any of the appeals, instead telling the group that this was what he had promised during his election campaign and that he was protecting his voters, according to the official. On the plane back from Sicily, Merkel did little to hide her disappointment, according to someone who traveled with her. She raved about Macron and his keen perception. There was no such praise for Trump, of whom she could only say he listened for hours. The Europeans were hardly the only ones upset by the president's decision. Among administration aides who wanted Trump to stay in the agreement, there was growing frustration, bordering on despondency, that they had been unsuccessful in their effort. Many had given up high-paying jobs outside the administration, sacrificed their quality of life, and were facing daily leaks and palace intrigue stories, only to feel as if they had been unable to influence the president on an issue of top importance. Silicon Valley executives and other CEOs were also upset.